Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Monday, November 9th. We are just about done with Week 9 and looking forward to Week 10. And what a Week 9 it was. A ton of huge monster fantasy performances, fantasy studs doing their thing. Some fun games, some exciting finishes, a couple of uh, new players announcing themselves as maybe guys who we're going to be focused on in the fantasy world. Just a really fun, active, great Sunday of football ahead of us. And I mean, what better way to top that off, to cap that off, the capstone on Week 9. Patriots and Jets on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Get pumped! I am Michael Beller, joined as I am every single Monday here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how we doing heading into this uh, last game of Week 9? Well, I unlike you, I can come up with a lot of better ways to finish <laughs> Week 9 uh, than, it, than the Jets-Patriots, but uh, yeah, I don't know, it was kind of a... It's it was one of those kind of normal weeks where the big explosions were by the right guys, other than Richie James. But uh, you know, I think from a waiver standpoint, I think a lot of people are going to sleep a little bit easier on uh, Tuesday night because there's just not a ton of just obvious pickup guys. But we'll talk about the guys that are for sure. Okay. <laughs> Nothing to add. No, you guys both did like a ten minute intro, so I'm good. Man, I was taking a yeah, we went, Bill, taking a drink of we water. We went Bill over Walton here. style. Yeah, there. Taking a drink of water over here. I thought I was going to have some time there to uh, to get through it. But all right, let's do it. Let's get let's get to the news then. And uh, Jake, since Brandon and I took twenty minutes of the show to get us started, I'll let you go I first here. Uh, yeah, but you said ten each, ten each, ten times two, ten plus ten. I did not say each. Check the tape. Go back. <laughs> all right, I'll check it in about an hour and a half once we're done with uh, with all this and it's published. Uh, until then. Let's start with what was maybe the most fun game of Sunday, Dolphins and Cardinals. Dolphins pulling off a 34-31 upset victory in Arizona, and Tua Tugavailoa taken off for the Miami Dolphins. We said it uh, going into Sunday that last Sunday, his first start, with the way that game went, they were able to ease him in, and that probably wasn't going to be the case against Arizona's offense. That played to fruition, that played to the script that we expected, and Tua delivered 20 for 28, 248 yards, just shy of nine yards per attempt. Two touchdowns, also ran the ball seven times for 35 yards. You look ahead at Miami's schedule, the next three games don't really scare you very much. Against the Chargers this week, Tua versus Justin Herbert, then at Denver, and then at the New York Jets. Uh, you look at this offense, Jake, I mean, are we talking about Tua as someone who is in the fantasy discussion every week now? I wouldn't say every week. It's We wanted to see more. The first game also wasn't necessarily not letting Tua do too much. He just had to do with a lot of turnovers, and they didn't need him to do too much, whether or not it was his first game or his 10th game. It just went, <laughs> it just went out the window really fast in that game. So, 
you know, we like, like to see the improvement of passing. Uh, Preston Williams might miss time, which could obviously hurt him. But the thing that you like to see is the rushing. That's why we like them for fantasy purposes is if he was going to run and be healthy running. So 35 yards on the day. You have to like that. Uh, what you really still have to be worried about is how much are they going to ask him to pass? It was still only 28 attempts yesterday, but being Tua, he's really good at them. So I think that he's in the conversation, but I wouldn't say he's a must start, uh, mostly because, you know, a tough end defense. I know they don't have too much coming up immediately, but if you told me they were still going to face Baltimore, I wouldn't call him a must start. If they're facing, facing Pittsburgh or, you know, even anybody in that realm, like how the Saints just looked last night. I, I just don't know that he's a must start in that conversation, but he's at least in the conversation of being a QB one for a lot of good matchups. Yeah, I think the the important thing to note here is we're at about seven must starts, maybe. I mean, we could we could argue and it's probably somewhere between six and eight must starts. So you, you start looking at guys like the the Tom Brady's of the world are not must starts, uh, you know, and I think we we saw that play out that Brady's maybe not a must start in in all situations. So there's probably from QB nine to QB twenty every week you're going to have some kind of a, a shuffle up where certain guys like Atua who might be in the back end in some weeks is actually pushing himself to the back end of the QB one in, in other weeks based upon the matchups. But man, he looked great. He looked really good. He looked like uh, you know what we wanted to see out of him, which we saw at Alabama was just a just a nice stroke on the on his passes that were you know right on line, right on target. He can run around a little bit, um, sees the field, and so I think he you know he rest he rest assured a lot of people that uh, you know what we saw last week wasn't what we're going to see you know going forward. What a quarterback class this could go down as. We've already seen Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert uh, show themselves to be uh, guys who their teams are very excited about going forward. And if we can add two into that mix, talking about three of the first six picks being you know potential faces of franchises for the next decade or 12 years, that would be you know great for all of us as football fans. Definitely love what Tua showed us in that game. you got Kyler Murray on the other side of it. I mean, it does feel like we're getting to a point where our cup runneth over with quarterback talent in the NFL, and that is a very, very good thing on the other side of that game we had Chase Edmonds in the spotlight for the first time this season and left wondering if he is just a guy when he is asked to be the guy he got 25 carries in the game against the Dolphins turned it into just 70 yards three targets caught him all for 18 yards not nearly the bonanza that so many of us myself including we're expecting out of Chase Edmonds in his first game with the backfield largely to himself. Now, obviously, some of that has to do with how effectively Kyler Murray was running the ball. But, Brandon, I think the question needs to be asked, and this is something that Jake's talked about quite a bit, is Chase Edmonds one of those guys who you know, is better cast as a supporting player rather than being the guy? Maybe, but I think it's unfair to really, you know, based upon his career, make that judgment. He had one other game in his career where he's had double digit rushes and that was last year and he had like 27 28 for 150 and three touchdowns and was you know averaged like 4.7 yards per carry i think the the deal here though is is one miami is one of the more ascending better defenses in the league brian flores is really starting to you know put a stamp on this team and that's there's a lot of talent on that defense so we can't just say that it was an you know it was an automatic because it was miami that you should have done well uh i also think that look at they lost and Chase Edmonds didn't have a, a great game. And so now if Kenyon Drake's really not as hurt as we thought, this was, you know, Chase Edmonds's mo momentum opportunity. 
And I think it's an opportunity lost. I don't see how there's any way if Kenyon Drake's healthy that he doesn't come back and kind of assume that lead ball carrier role. And Chase Edmonds goes more to the lead receiving role. So we'll we'll see. But this was not what anybody betting on Edmonds to take this backfield over wanted to see. Yeah, somebody gave me like the whole victory lap on Twitter. I was like, no, it still wasn't a bad game. And still had, you know, double digit, what was it, like, nine point something almost 10 point it was 10.1 or something like that in half point ppr so he still was a decent game but the point being is what you were saying beller is what i kept bringing up the entire week is people were like oh why are you telling me to sell high you told me to stash this guy the entire year because the peak was everybody thought he was going to be a top 10 running back and then that happens so not saying that's definitively who he is but through one game start this year i, I think for brandon your point we can't use that game as much as we can't even use the game from last year where he had the one kid. Like you can't just pigeon one whole game on either side of it. So you look at the entire longevity of his career and he's pretty efficient as a complimentary piece. You have one really good game last year and you have one kind of a letdown this season. But the point was is to anytime you have somebody that's going to be replacing a running back in front of them, there's always going to be that question. You have perfect example this year. Jamal Williams was great. You have flip side, Alexander Madison, bad, Chase Edmonds, middle of the road. Just that's the point. Like if something were to happen to, I don't even know, like Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott was still playing. We just had that injury concern and everybody was going bananas for Tony Pollard. You would do the same thing. You sell high. These are where you take your opportunities. And that's really what you should take from it. Not so much focus on the fact that Edmonds was just disappointing. Next two games for this team, Buffalo this week at home, and then in week 11 they go to Seattle for that rematch with the Seahawks. So you feel pretty good about that matchup, about both those matchups from every possible angle, right? Those are defenses that don't scare you. Those are offenses that are going to be able to keep up well, with also Arizona. specifically so, for Edmonds. Yeah, right. Because passing game situations. Yeah. And they even watching that game, I don't know if you guys heard it or were watching it at the same time, but whoever was doing the commentary, I forget, was even saying that if Ken, when they didn't go for it on fourth and one, they said if you had Kenyon yep. Drake, you probably would. And – that's why they complement each other. Kenyon Drake is not Derrick Henry, but he's more powerful than Chase Edmonds. So being passing game options, I think Edmonds could essentially sp- give you 10 fantasy points like he just gave you, but only do it on 13 to 14 touches the next two weeks. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was that last fourth and one saying that uh, Kenyon Drake, a bigger bodied back, maybe they would go for it. Although with all the success they had with Kyler on those fourth and ones and all short yardage situations, I was surprised to see the one time when they took it out of Kyler's hands and then going for the field goal instead of maybe going for it again. But uh, it was one of the big games of the weekend, one of the fun games of the weekend. And I think we're going to be pretty happy with these two teams going forward, Miami and Arizona, Carolina and Kansas City. That was another super fun game. Carolina nearly pulling off a huge upset going down 33-31 to the Panthers. Another game where basically if you have someone important in this game, he delivered for you. But we have to start with some bad news on this one. Christian McCaffrey comes back in this game, looks just like Christian McCaffrey of old, no worse for wear. Until after the game, Christian McCaffrey apparently suffering a shoulder injury in this game that could cost him even more time than he has already missed. This after putting up 151 yards from scrimmage, 10 catches, two touchdowns, just doing the Christian McCaffrey thing. So hopefully hopefully everyone was listening. Hopefully you didn't drop Mike Davis because it looks like Mike Davis is going to be right back in that starter's chair. But with the way he played before this McCaffrey comeback over these last few weeks, are we automatically starting him in fantasy leagues, assuming he does get the start here, Jake? You have to. So that was very frustrating from a survivor standpoint, too. We almost had the Chiefs and Steelers lose, and it would have been like 
15 teams left in my survivor house. <laughs> so <laughs> aggravated. We got so close on both of them. But yeah, the, Mike Davis, a lot of people kept trying to ask to drop him. And just as another one, just a learning lesson from this is this is why even if Joe Mixon's back after the bye, you don't drop Giovanni Bernard. You don't drop Jamal Williams. You don't drop Mike Davis. You don't drop the next man up. It's just when you can potentially have a bell cow running back, even the Emmons, even if that's all you get from Mike Davis going forward is what Chase Emmons just did. You have an RB2, an RB2 scoring 10 points. Actually, low-end RB2s are usually right like 8, 9, maybe 10. So you have an RB2 going forward. I will say it probably won't be as great as those first few weeks of Mike Davis was because, one, Mike Davis hasn't been playing as well. You know, defenses are starting, you know, maybe they were slow to respect him. But the other part of it is Curtis Samuel starting to be a thing yep. all around. Uh, I hate Curtis Samuel in fantasy because I, I just can't, I hate trying to trust somebody that only gets eight touches any given week. But now with Christian McCaffrey out, I think they're going to continue with what we've seen the past two weeks and just find a way to get Curtis Samuel 10 to 12 touches. Yeah, Brandon, this is someone we need to talk about too. So, well, we know the deal with CMC and Mike Davis, but Curtis Samuel, nine catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. It was really more of a rushing touchdown, one of those little flip passes that's effectively a run play that the quarterback gets credit for. <laughs> so that's a run. He also got three more carries uh, in addition to that pseudo carry. Uh, and pretty widely available no matter where you're playing your fantasy football this is someone who you can pick up on waivers uh, this week in a lot of spots so while you are right when you said off the top of the show it's not a great waiver week Curtis Samuel is looking like one of the potential gems out there especially with this CMC news yeah I wholeheartedly agree he was one of the guys I was alluding to for sure and um yeah, and, and he's a guy I actually grabbed in, in a couple of leagues last week or two weeks ago I, when, when he had his first good game. There's deeper leagues out there. But the the point is this guy needs to be picked up and why we can feel better about him this year as opposed to the way he's been employed in previous years is it's not Ron Rivera running this team anymore. And, you know, Brandon Howard brought this up last week, uh, one of our columnists here at the Athletic Fantasy Columnist, and he talked about how the change in that head coaching and the way they utilize him. Remember, Curtis Samuel was a running back. He was a complete hybrid guy at Ohio State, and he had, like, I want to say almost 100 carries his senior year. Um, and they're using him a lot more in that style where he's he's more of the Percy Harvin hybrid, whereas Ron Rivera tended to use him a little bit more as a traditional receiver and not using utilizing him in the ways in which he was so successful at Ohio State. And I think Matt Rule understands that and is is plugging his skills into that kind of a style, and it's working out great so far. Yeah, 97 carries and 74 receptions in his last year at Ohio State, and uh, yeah. that's, uh, that's, a, that's a hybrid threat right there. 1,600 yards from scrimmage, 15 touchdowns in that last season, and it is great to see Curtis Samuel finally being used in that way. Someone we've been excited about in the fantasy world for years, and it seems like it's now starting to come together for him. We're going to jump into wide receiver waivers in just a second. Again, there's not a ton here, so I think we can get through it really quickly. But before we do that, I want to look at the look this game where we saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire get just five carries, you guys. Five carries for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 33 points put up by this Chiefs offense. Five carries for Edwards-Alaire. Now, he did get in the end zone. Got a receiving touchdown in this game. Five targets, caught three of them for 20 yards, and the score. So that touchdown saved your day. Obviously, and still not quite the day you're looking for, but at least he gave you something. He has no more than eight carries in a game since Le'Veon Bell has been in town. And with the way Patrick Mahomes in this passing game has been going the last few weeks, I mean, Brandon, is this something we really need to start getting worried about, just the volume being there for Edwards-Alaire? 
I think so. Uh, look, at I think every step of the way this year he's been overrated, and I get why people fell in love with him. And I and I you know fell into that trap a, a couple times along the way. But you're talking about a guy who won't get goal line carries. Who now you know Kansas City seems to just be absolutely content and just letting Mahomes you know carry this team with his arm and he can do it and they have one loss so why wouldn't they continue just to do what they've been doing um and and yeah and you have you have a legit split backfield so I think people are still just he's going to be overrated the whole way because his name is Clyde Edwards Hilaire and that's just become a buzzy word and someone's just going to buy on the potential of a guy that has those kind of you know quickness and and, and skills in this offense but uh, we're always about volume and and the volume is just looking terrible right now and yeah I would be concerned if I was a Clyde Edwards Hilaire owner absolutely I don't know that feels kind of a little strong Brandon he was RB ten through the first six weeks. Yeah, that, that's that's not really overrated. No, I, I look at. I mean, what what did he do? What did he do that was so impressive? Though I think the the problem is that was a little bit just pumped up on two, you know, twenty five, twenty six carry workloads that aren't going to be there the rest of the way. And he doesn't. No, that's fine. But I, I mean, also, you know, he only had one game that wasn't even double digits. It was nine point five in that stretch. So I, I just again, overrated feels strong for somebody that was a top 10 running back before Le'Veon Bell came in, but I'll agree with you now for what his talent is and what people expected to have Le'Veon Bell. But to go back to kind of what Mike led this off with, I don't even think it's necessarily him because combine them, combine him and Le'Veon Bell, Mm -hmm. and it's still not what it was. Whatever happened in the past couple weeks when Le'Veon Bell arrived, it also coincided with this team just deciding to let Patrick Mahomes throw 40, 45 times a game. And that would seem to you know offset some of the concern of Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he's the passing game option, but there's just not even a lot of work for the running backs. So even if you let him <laughs> absorb Le'Veon Bell and basically become one running back, it would still... But that, that's the part. It's, I, I would agree with you there. Over the last three games, even if there were one whole running back for the Chiefs, that would still be an overrated running back right now. And that's where you get concerned because uh, this passing game, pretty viable. It's not a horrible thing for the Chiefs to turn into their passing game and let Patrick Mahomes do the whole I'm the best quarterback in the NFL thing week after week after week, and it's something that we know he can do. So I, too, would be concerned uh, just about the volume, not about Le'Veon getting in there, but about (laughs) the overall volume that is available to the backfield uh, in Kansas City after what we've they seen. They have a fun over fantasy schedule weeks. too. That's the problem is like yeah, right? Las Vegas, Tampa Bay, which that's their concerning run game, but you'd hope they're passing in that, but Denver, mm-hmm. Miami, Saints, Atlanta to finish things out. He's like That's beautiful. It could have been an MVP fantasy-wise run down the stretch for Edwards Alaire, but now it's just well, enjoy your RB2 at best. And yeah, now it'll be it for for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, throw it out this way. Here, I'll I'll throw a question to both of you guys just because it popped into my head. How about would you take the rest of the season, Edwards Alaire or Ezekiel Elliott? Ooh, I would take I would take Edwards Alaire. Purely a bet on the Chiefs. Purely a bet on the Chiefs. I would take a I would take Zeke because I know I'm getting twenty touches at least. Brandon, you're the tiebreak. Yeah, I would take Zeke for those twenty touches for the fact that I think that you know if Andy Dalton gets back, it it could look a little better for him as well. Are they for sure going to play Andy Dalton? Oh, I, don't I think know. I, th- I think they have to. I mean, yeah. and Zeke, what, what does Zeke have yesterday while he was hurt? He actually had twenty touches in the nineteen nose, for forty two, right, and forty two yards. Oh yeah. no, eighteen for fifty one, and then four uh, yeah. two for eighteen. Yeah, I basically yeah. said that it, that Elliot is now David Montgomery. 
Ugh, that is disgusting. <laughs> but, we'll talk but about. Would you, ta- uh, would you, you take, take David, David Montgomery, Montgomery over Edwards Alaire? I, I think you're, it's a conversation that is you know no worth having. Way. Come on, I, guys. Uh, what are we man. talking about with Clyde? Oh, wait, wait. No, but I'm, I'm with you. Offense. I'm, I'm with you because it's a conversation worth having. Because what are Edwards Alaire's touches the last three games? Nine, nine, eight. Yeah. So it's look. They're probably going to score about the same. So where I get what you're saying, Mike, is if I'm shooting for the ceiling, I'll go buy low on Edwards Alaire because maybe Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, or maybe they turn back to the running game a little bit more. But nine, nine, and eight. I, you know, I don't like, you know, I kind of borderline hate David Montgomery in the Jordan <laughs> Howard conversation. But if you're going to give me 15 to 20 touches every single week, as mediocre and inefficient as they might come, that's still, we're at this point. Brandon said it as soon as he started with Edwards Alaire. You're hoping for a touchdown now. Yeah. It's a it's a fun discussion to have, and it's one that we can get maybe even a have little bit too. <laughs> we got some we got some running backs to talk about in a little bit, but like I said, let's uh, we got Curtis Samuel starting this off. Wide receivers on waivers. I think it's going to be a pretty paltry week. You do have Richie James, who had the big game back on Thursday, nine catches on yeah, thirteen targets, one hundred eighty four <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Right, you've got Alan Lazard probably coming back for the Packers this week. I think we're all in agreement. Curtis Samuel is a guy to go after. We've got some names written here in our show sheet. Uh, Jake, I'll let you take it first. Is there anyone you really want to argue vociferously on behalf of, or are you basically taking a pass on wide receivers this week? No, it's the you should have listened last week and should have listened the week before when he was starting to come back and widely or like available for some reason I guess well I we saw that last week and said that you know maybe people didn't expect it to be back until the fancy playoffs off the first word and that even what I assumed when they first said the injury for Alan Lazard but Alan Lazard at this point he almost played this week and now he gets mm-hmm. 10 days in between the next game so I, Alan Lazard has to be out of this entire group Richie James you could just leave out there Debo and Ayuk are coming back it was fun it was a fun actually it wasn't fun because nobody got to enjoy it <laughs> yeah, and look at MVS. He had the two touchdowns, but man, if you watch the game, his other he, he had another ball go through his hands, and I I feel yes. like if Alan Lazard was out there, those would probably would have been one or two of them would have been his touchdowns, and uh, you know MVS will go away as soon as Alan Lazard is Hell, back. I didn't think he was going to get another target the rest of the game after that glare. Yeah, that it was so bad. Game. Oh my god, I would have loved to have been inside Aaron Rodgers' head after that first horrible drop. That like MVS if you had. yeah, if you want to see a look that somebody's <laughs> trying to kill you with their. Look, <laughs> yeah, it, I think I think his other ones, he was just absolutely wide open, so there was no choice but to throw him the ball in the end zone. But um, I'm with you on Lazard. I would say KJ Hamler is interesting to me as well. He picked up the 90 total yards. Uh, you know, Jake's talked about him. I've talked about him. You know, running out of the slot, the guy is super fast. And really, after Lazard, it's the two. It's the two Broncos, Patrick and Hamler. Patrick didn't have huge numbers, but he did have the nine targets again. Mm-hmm. And you know, in good matchups, that's going to work out well for you. Yeah, we'll hit on the Broncos a little bit later in the show. But yes, once again, looking like a pretty light week for those wide receiver waivers. Curtis Samuel, Alan Lazard, good places to go. Other than that, you might be scrounging. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, guys, let's take a look at another one of the big games that we had. At least it was a marquee game to start off the week. Didn't necessarily play like that. Saints just running away with a 38-3 victory over the Buccaneers. This game was over in the first quarter, guys. Saints put up 21 points in the first, and that was it. This game was totally done. The Buccaneers showed absolutely no signs of life. And I want to pull up a quote from our colleague Mike Sando. Let me find it really quickly here because I thought it really described the game perfectly he said he wrote this uh, in his column that is available on the athletic right now one dollar a week athletic.com slash fantasy football pod sando says quote the saints look like a team the buccaneers look like a collection of parts it's as though the saints leverage more than a decade of continuity and excellence to expose tampa bay's makeover as a get rich quick scheme and i think that perfectly encapsulates what we saw in this game on sunday night and has me wondering what we're thinking about tampa bay from a fantasy perspective after this first game with antonio brown in the fold uh, brandon why don't you take this one and run with it yeah i, I kind of get that quote i mean you know, Tom Brady had uh, a full arsenal with Antonio Brown back, and he had Godwin and Gronk and Evans, and he just, like the Saints, not only did they put pressure on, but they didn't allow uh, quick opportunities for Brady to get rid of the ball. He was holding on to the ball because guys weren't open, and so I feel like there is some of that experience, and Sean Payton did outcoach Bruce Arians in this game, obviously, but... Uh, you know, I mean, I think Tom Brady was kind of at a socialistic best. I mean, how do you take much out of this? He, he basically targeted everybody sort of similarly. Um, no one really looks like the clear go-to guy. And I think we might need another game or two to see how this stuff shakes out. But this was such a throttling and such a complete domination by the Saints defense over the, the Bucks offense. I don't know if we can take a whole lot away other than uh, Antonio Brown was squarely in the mix, had some opportunities, and looks like he still got some skills. I mean, he caught that that quick slant late in the game where I think Collinsworth would talk about, oh, that's things we saw in Pittsburgh all the time, and it's true. He you know, goes across the middle, extends, and makes this great catch, and you're like, okay, in a softer matchup and better times, you can see that one being working in over and over and over again. Yeah, so I actually think we can take some, despite, uh, as the game as a whole, yeah. The Saints just had their number and just ruined that entire experience. However, <laughs> uh, a couple things is, one, once again, stay away from the backfield, if anybody, look, I don't know how many times, <laughs> the entire, I'm not saying myself, I mean, like everybody, I'm pretty sure was saying the exact same thing. I know we said it on this very show, is we're really doing the Leonard Fournette thing again with week two or three or whatever it was, where, oh, it's his, it's his job now. Ronald Jones started the game was actually off to a decent start. And then Leonard Fournette is down, you know, out there for the passing work. So that's, we know this backfield is going to be annoying. Like we've cemented that. That's a hundred percent. The other part I'll take away from it is my concerns. And I don't know if you guys agree with me. Brandon sounds like you want to wait at least another game, which is fine. But I feel like my concerns of Mike Evans and Gronkowski were solidified in this game, mostly because, you know, if you look at the routes run, Antonio Brown was barely behind Mike Evans, but he had more air yards and was getting targeted more frequently, not in the end zone, which is where Mike Evans was. And that's great. That's a very valuable target. 
But Mike Evans watching that game and Gronkowski as well, both of them for me feel like they're going to be touchdown dependent. And I'll go right back to the conversation I kept having as the Dak Prescott Cowboys before, like obviously before he got hurt. He's Michael Gallup. That's Mike Evans. Mike Evans and Michael Gallup are the same. You need the touchdown because the other two guys are going to be the more consistent ones. And now Gronkowski seems out of the equation altogether. He actually only ran 18 routes yesterday. Oof. Six targets on those 18 routes, so at least uh, Tom right. Brady and was still looking in his it's, direction. Right. But, yeah, it's that like argument we that had number. at the preseason. It's like, well, he's at least going to be running routes and getting targets while he's out there. Well, he wasn't actually running many routes, but he is getting the looks. Like you said, the target share was actually 16% despite only 22 routes. But or 18 routes. But again, he had fewer routes than Leonard Fournette. It just, I feel like going forward, at least after one game, I feel I could be wrong in three weeks, but I feel like it's Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and I want nothing left. I don't want anybody, anybody, Gronkowski even included, maybe him as a low end tight end one. You're putting AB over Godwin. No, I said AB and Godwin. Oh, AB and Godwin. I thought that was in order. Gotcha. No. Okay. No. I, I, you know, I think Evans is. It's probably still going to be Evans, which will be a roller coaster ride, and there'll be it'll be touchdown dependent. But I think he's got you know opportunities for a lot of touchdowns, especially if Antonio Brown just gives this offense another level, another gear, um, and they're living in the red zone. Like we saw the we saw the, them going to Evans in the in the end zone, and and frankly that Lattimore defense, I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he did actually have a hold of his jersey and held him down. And I was impressed with the way he did it because he kind of turned his whole body back, but he reached his hand over his shoulder and held on to Evans's jersey as he was going up. So um, got away with one there. It could have been a touchdown, and suddenly he has five catches for like 70-something yards and a touchdown, and he comes out of here looking pretty good. New Orleans has this team's number this season. That's a sweep, the first-ever sweep. You guys see that? The first time Tom Brady has been swept by a divisional opponent in his entire career. So how about wow. that? Saints going 2-0 and against the Buccaneers this uh, this season. Next week at Carolina, hopefully we get a little bit better of a performance out of this Tampa well, Bay offense. Well, then after offense. that, it's two really bad matchups, the Rams yeah, and what, the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, what, Rams and Chiefs, yeah, week so, 11 and 12. It's it's depending on how far back your league trade deadline goes. I know some people do it the week of Thanksgiving. Some people do even later if you're a keeper league. I would almost go buy low as late as you possibly can because after their bye week, Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> that is beautiful. And that's they've got a week 13 bye, Tampa, this bizarre week 13 bye that we have this season. Yes. Yeah, and them in Carolina, Carolina, which is screwing everybody in Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys, let's uh, let's go on to the next thing here. Uh, Buffalo and Seattle, they gave us a lot of points. And Buffalo, man, running away with this game, really in control of it throughout. Sorry, Brandon, but that's <laughs> just how things went here for the Bills and the Seahawks. I do want to look at the Seahawks side of things because DK Metcalf – DK Metcalf just doing DK Metcalf things, right? It's every single week this guy is giving us wide receiver one games. Does it again. Doesn't really seem to matter. Seven grabs, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, though, four catches on seven targets, 440 yards. And if you look at Tyler Lockett's game log, you have a two monster games. Two three-touchdown games, had 200 yards in one of them, had 100 on the dot in the other. And then otherwise, you see a lot of busts. 40 yards this past week, 33 the week before that. 44 against Minnesota in week five, 39 against Miami in week four. I mean, are we ready to say here, Brandon, that Tyler Lockett is a boomer bust player? Go look at his game log and tell me how it's any different than the year before or the year before. He's always been a boomer bust. Um, he's had runs like this. I mean, you go back to last year, he had four straight weeks in a row where he was 6.3 fantasy points or less. Um, so that's just the way it goes. And, and when you start to compare him, uh, you know, on a, 
with you know next to DK Metcalf, he's going to lose. I mean, look at DK Metcalf establishing himself as one of the premier receivers in the league. Tyler Lockett's going to eat plenty off of him, you know, but he is a boomer bust guy. I honestly, I don't know how you. I, I'm a I'm a Seahawks fan. I watch every game through and through. I don't know how you honestly can go into a week and say this is not going to be a Tyler Lockett game or this is going to be a Tyler Lockett game. I think you just have to play him every week. You really do, unless you're loaded. Yeah, so, well, two things is you watch every single game, Brandon, for everybody out there that look at the box score only, what the hell is wrong with your boy? He was not cooking yesterday. He was like McDonald's no. frying back there. It was like, <laughs> I, I honestly think this on. is one of the, one. Of, they've been really good at this, but I think this is one of those times where it hit him was just a morning East Coast game after a big divisional win against San Francisco. I just think they just were emotionally flat. Something was, yeah, something was off. Like I said, people are going to look at the 390 and two touchdowns, even with the two interceptions. It'd be like, oh, it wasn't too bad for you watch the game. I would have never predicted that box score, even after seeing everything. But yeah, DK Metcalf, definitely at this point, it's hard to argue why he's not the guy. And I will say, Brandon, to what you're talking about, tell me when it's going to be a locket game. This is why after that game, I would now agree with you because this should have been a tire locket mm-hmm. game. The Buffalo Bills have been destroyed by slot middle of the field guys this entire year, and that's why Tyler Lockett should have been the guy. This should have been a, ty- a Tyler Lockett hundred plus yards and a touchdown. I had him in DFS. He almost got the touchdown, although that seemed like a pretty lackluster effort for the end zone on that one. That's that pissed <laughs> me off too, Brandon. But on the side is yeah, it's you know DK Metcalf seven for hundred and a touchdown in what should have been a Lockett game. So I'm not saying we can predict the next week in a worse matchup that it might not just be Tyler Lockett getting even two touchdowns, but he is boomer bust at this point. It is Metcalf number one, Tyler Lockett number two. And yeah, that, I think that you would have to say that's going forward. Mm-hmm. DK is just a monster. You guys, four 100-yard games this season. He has scored touchdowns in seven of nine games, six of eight games on the season. He's got 90 yards and a touchdown in one, two, three, four, five, six games. I mean, it's just what a year. What a year DK Metcalf And that's why Pete Carroll gets an extension because he doesn't try to force a player to do something he's not. What do you mean by that? The, the same issue is coming out of college. He's not asking DK Metcalf to run routes over the middle mm, of the field. Yeah. And ten, ten, he's letting him be DK Metcalf. He's just let, in the very first last year, his rookie season, ran him on the left side. What was it, like 80% of the time or whatever it was? He just lets DK Metcalf grow, be him, and you know what? We're not going to ask you to start running curl routes all the time. We're just yeah. let you be you. It was, someone brought it up. Like, go back and look at the routes that Calvin Johnson ran throughout his career. It was a pretty narrow tree, but you can <laughs> make it work sure. when you're built yeah. like I'm Calvin Johnson. I'm pretty sure it was that dirt one when you're in the field. It was just like, hey, you just go deep, and Matthew Stafford's going to throw yeah, at you in exactly. triple coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's worked out for Calvin. It's going to get him into the Hall of Fame working out for DK Metcalf as well. Uh, Let's talk about the Seattle defense for a second in a different context. We've talked about how bad this defense is really all season. The numbers after this game against Buffalo, they're 29th in yards per play allowed, 28th in yards per pass attempt allowed, 32nd in yards per game, 30th in points per game. This is a defense we know that we want to attack. And if you're thinking of actionable ways that you can do something with that in the fantasy world, maybe you're thinking about making some trades and getting guys who are going to play against the Seahawks and the Rams still have both their games left, including Week 16. (laughs) Including Week 16, the championship game. So, I mean, Jake, you're already in here. You want to go out there and make some trade for some uh, Los Angeles Rams? Um, Cooper Cup and more so Robert Woods because he's coming cheaper everywhere I possibly can, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Look at 
there's, there's a chance Ken Norton could be fired this week. I mean, Dan Quinn is sitting out there uh, as a free agent, and he was the, you know, he was the defensive coach when this team won the Super Bowl. So, uh, don't be surprised if they make a move. But they, I mean, when they're healthy, they got talent. There's no reason they should be giving up this much, uh, this much passing yards. But I will say, Josh Allen was my one and done quarterback on all three of my one and done teams <laughs> yesterday because I, I, it, this is one that you got to pick on until Seattle can can show that. They can't be picked on like that anymore, but so far they haven't been able to do it. Yeah, that worked out A-OK for you, I would say. Josh Allen, 415 yards, uh, two touchdowns through the air, touchdown on the ground, just what a monster game. Do you know what the Josh lowest Allen. amount of points scored against them so far this year is? By a quarterback? No, by a team. By a team. Um, they they, they beat Miami. I was thinking right, the like, Miami game, maybe. Like 24, yeah, 20 Miami points game, Miami put up. 23. That's, the, I, that's not bad for a low. It's looking that's, like a good win, too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very true. Brandon sneaking in one. Hey, it's a good win still for the Seahawks. It's a good hey, come win. Come on, Miami, I think, beat the Rams like, and no, no, no. the Cardinals. I just meant, like, I don't want to – I'm just stupid-ass Giants. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Uh, so we're excited about trading for the Rams. Can I interest you in trading for Jonathan Taylor? It was another ugly game for him in the loss to the Ravens. It's the Ravens, not going to be the only running back who struggles against them. Six carries, 27 yards, scored a touchdown on the Colts' first possession, the Colts' only touchdown of the game, a 24-10 loss, had two targets. Everything seemed to be going just fine for him, right? Eight touches, 34 yards, touchdown, tough defense. We're going to live with that, especially early in the game. Then he fumbles. The Ravens return that for a touchdown. Phillip Rivers gives us the most hilarious tackle attempt in NFL history on that return for a touchdown. And we barely see Jonathan Taylor the rest of the game. Jordan Wilkins ends up leading the team with 11 carries, 439 yards. This is probably as low, the nadir of Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value. We are here seeing it. But look at this remaining schedule. Two games with the Titans, two games with the Texans, Packers, Raiders. You do have to deal with the Steelers in Week 16, but that's not a bad schedule, and it feels like you can get Jonathan Taylor for next to nothing right now. Jake, you interested at all in this? Absolutely, especially with those Texans coming up. Uh, I really <laughs> Texans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, the truth is, uh, this is something we've said a lot, and we're never going to understand because we're not NFL coaches or assistant coaches or even special teams coaches. But how you do that to a young player, and how you like we've seen what Ronald Jones is going through. How you do that where you give him one touch after he fumbles for the rest of the game, especially a rookie, like. I understand you need to make a point. I understand fumbling is important. You know, you can't have turnovers or whatever, but good God, Adrian Peterson was one of the biggest fumblers in the history of football, like early in his career when Mm -hmm. he was putting up 2000 yards. We all know about Tiki Barber. Like it's not the end of the freaking world. How coaches continue to bench players off one fumble is beyond me. And like you said, if you watch the beginning of that game, it looked like Jonathan Taylor was going to have one of the best games this season against the Ravens defense. So I will absolutely buy low, mostly because people are probably panicked about that very thing, is that Wilkins is going to continue to eat into him and not realizing that, you know, hopefully this was a stupid teaching lesson and that Taylor's just the lead again on Thursday night against the Titans. But uh, there's obviously risk, but that's why you can buy low. Yeah, I'm imagining I'm still at like you know I'll I'll go through my big board exercise this week and see where he lays out, but I'm imagining I still have him as like a I don't know top 18 ish running back, maybe higher. Um, and if that's the case, I can get a I can get a you know a sweeter deal than that. I would be interested as well. But Jake, is this 
Is are the Colts one of your Patriot Games or Patriot Act teams Patriot here? Because <laughs> they should be. I mean, no, they, they were, but I would still. It's still tailored. Like the usage that he came out in this game was the lead option with barely anybody else sprinkled in until he fumbled. And so it's Patriots yeah. Games because of Frank Wright, and it's Patriots Games because of that. But it well, here's be. the deal. Here's the deal. The schedule's so good that. I will be interested in Jordan Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor in these games. I mean, the Mask Texans twice. Wilkins. Dude, if, if Wilkins is going to get eight eight carries and maybe, uh, you know, a couple shots in the passing game and it's the Texans in, in a bye yeah. week, I could be yeah. talked into flexing that guy. I, I mean, I, I will be interested. So um, <laughs> You can have him. Yeah. Yeah, you can have him too. But this is a good transition for us it, to uh, to talk about some running backs that are on waivers because we did have some injuries at this position that are going to open up some opportunities, or at least we think they're going to open up some opportunities. Uh, let's start with God. There's two fun ones here. Let's start with da- let's start with Duke Johnson. David Johnson uh, suffered a concussion in the Texans' win over the Jaguars. Duke Johnson comes in, gets 16 carries in this game, only 41 yards, did score a touchdown, also four targets, caught them all for 32 yards, and Jake. You know what's on store here, what's on tap for the Houston Texans and Duke Johnson in Week 10. Going to Cleveland, revenge game time for Duke Johnson. Let's do it. I mean, is there anything better than a Duke Johnson revenge game against the Browns? This, um, this could be great. How interested are we in Duke Johnson? I mean, you know, David Johnson, we, we know that the typical re- uh, recovery from concussions is, might just be a week. So how interested are we in Duke Johnson on waivers? Yeah, revenge game. How did that work out for Adrian Peterson yesterday? <laughs> like, oh, Adrian Peterson's still pissed off at the Vikings for how things ended. And blah, or blah, Melvin blah. Gordon or Le'Veon yeah. Bell or Jimmy uh, Graham. I don't remember those. but <laughs> yeah, The Cleveland's a, a great matchup, though. And... You know, it's funny that it's like, yeah, whatever. People are like, you know, when I said Duke Johnson should be one of the next men up, they're like, oh, it's just Duke Johnson. Well, you know, truthfully, that that's why I understand it's, uh, it's Duke Johnson, and he didn't do a lot with, uh, didn't yeah, he didn't do a lot with a lot. You just mentioned the line there, but he's the guy. Uh, like, who's the who's the one up behind him? Like, is it Powell or? I don't remember who's even behind him at this point on this roster. So oh, that's if, the point. But, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. I was trying to think. It's Buddy Howell. I said Powell. Yeah, Buddy Howell's behind him. I mean, I'm assuming they might bring somebody up for the practice squad. There has to be somebody else out there if David Johnson's out. But Duke Johnson getting 20 touches. Go back to Edmonds. Okay, let's say he doesn't even score a touchdown. He still gets you 10 fantasy points. It's an RB2. And that's why he should be out there, and that's why he'll be an RB2 in the rankings if there is no David Johnson. Yeah, I guess just because of the Chase Edmonds factor. But Duke Johnson's... Anybody who ever says that Duke Johnson should be the featured guy, that he should really get his opportunities to, to – is ridiculous. Every time I've watched Duke Johnson, he is not a lead back. He is not a great running back in terms of just putting the ball in his hands and watching him run. I, he's, he deserves the role that he's had in his NFL career, which is a complimentary passing down back. And um, that now, you know, you heighten the workload. It's just – that's always going to help out the bottom line, but he is not a guy that's just going to come in and take advantage and, and, you know, make a case that he should be the feature back for this team. Volume might be there for him in week 10. Have to imagine if it is there in week 10, that might be the only week, assuming David Johnson is able to progress through concussion protocol the way that players typically do. Uh, how about Kalen Balaj back in our <laughs> fantasy lives, at least for one week? I, I know 
we got to talk. This was the other fun one that I'm sort of laughing at as I bring him up. Justin Jackson uh, hurt his knee in warm-up, suddenly was out of this game, didn't get a touch in it. And Kalen Balazs stepping up, uh, uh, elevating over Joshua Kelly right away. We know that Troy Main Pope, who seemed to have also passed Joshua Kelly on the depth chart, he was out in this game because of a concussion of his own, suffered back in Week 8, and Balazs took advantage. 15 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. Let's say uh, six days from now when this team takes on the Miami Dolphins that Justin Jackson is still out. Troy Main Pope is still out. Can Kalen Balaj be someone who we talk about as an RB2 in Week 10 against the Dolphins, Brandon? Uh, I look at the 15 carries for 69 yards, and I say, well, if Justin Jackson had that, he would have had 15 carries for at least 100 yards. I would add like 30% production onto every touch that Kalen Balaj has. I will say... He looked like he had a little bit more juice than he did with the Jets and the Dolphins, but um, my you know longtime friend in the industry, Brad Evans, and I have come to call uh, a stuff, which is a running back gain of zero or negative yards. We've been we've called it a balage for the last couple of years. He's like, oh, he's been bala- he was balage six times, and that's just kind of a you know synonymous with not getting any yardage. But look, at, <laughs> we're always say anybody who's going to get volume is interesting, um, and this has been a team that no matter who's touched the ball, they've managed to churn out fantasy production from the running back. So if Kalen Balage is the guy is in, in line to get another fifteen carries and um, I guess you have to be interested. I just am not putting, I'm not putting any kind of big fab <laughs> bid in on him or anything. I don't care if somebody else ends up with him. That's just kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. And you don't have to be anything, right, Brandon? Like you don't have to be interested. I, I will say mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. because Tremaine Poit, Pope Kent might be active <laughs> and it might be Kelly. It might be Balage, And this is one of the ones that will be for the second week in the row. Yes, it's in the Patriots games. So whether Justin Jackson plays or not, I want nothing to do with this backfield. I was on Jackson as an RB2. Ask me how my David Johnson, Justin Jackson team did in one of my fantasy leagues. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> but like this, and I had a ton of Jackson in DFS. That killed me yesterday. So, but look, there'll be some production. But if you told me, uh, also, if you told me talent wise, even with Pope active, I would put Balash last. So I want nothing to yeah. do with two of them being active. I would probably still take Kelly and not be that excited about it. But if all three are active, forget about it. It'll be whoever looks the best for the first couple touches. And I agree with you that it's totally fine to just say no about a guy. We have to talk about him because we know these are players that people are going to be talking about. We're trying yeah, did to, you take uh, the dare classes in school? Say Just say no. I did. We're like the same age. Of course I did. And I'm dead. I am with you guys. I'm definitely saying just say no to this backfield. But people are going to be talking about Kalen Balazs. I don't think you're going to get uh, just one or two questions about him in your waiver column, Jake. So just getting you ready for that. Stay away from Kalen Balazs. One more guy who I do want to talk about. This is purely speculation. But David Montgomery left the Bears' loss uh, with a concussion of his own. So he now is in concussion protocol. He hasn't looked good. This offensive line is a mess. It's not all David Montgomery's fault, but you know some of it is David Montgomery's fault. And you look at the rest of that roster, it's hard to imagine uh, Cordero Patterson and Ryan Nall being the backfield right. for Barkevious this Mingo. team. Yeah, Barkevious <laughs> Mingo had the longest run on a fake punt for the Bears. And they've got Lamar Miller sitting on the practice squad, and if Montgomery's unable to go uh, in Week 10, I, I think we're going to see Lamar Miller signed from the practice squad and elevated right to a starting job, and maybe that makes him interesting, or is this just a total stretch, Jake? I, it's not a stretch, and you get Minnesota at home on Monday Night Football. Obviously, if, you know we have questions about 
David Montgomery being available all the way up through Saturday, and we still don't know. You're not going to wait for Monday night and be like, yeah, I'm just waiting to just get Montgomery or hopefully get Lamar Miller. Woo! There's plenty of options before you get to that <laughs> point. But if we find out that he's just not going to be, and they do promote Miller, absolutely, because you know Ryan Null, not you know he's kind of just a backup depth option talent wise for for any team he would be on and as you mentioned Cordell Patterson yeah they get mixed in but it's kind of like the Curtis Samuel who is a better player more dynamic mm-hmm. but even that you're not going to yes. give Curtis Samuel 15 carries so it's Cordell Patterson's going to settle into you know he's, he's Tavon Austin really so yeah I wouldn't be shocked if uh, I don't think it's that, that crazy of a call to say go just take a flyer on Lamar Miller yeah can Lamar Miller do, you know, M- Montgomery things, which is, is just so classic Lamar Miller. That guy was like year in and year out, like 11 fantasy points, you know, um, for like three straight years. He's just kind of the fair to Midland uh, running back. But you know, I think you could plug him in for a week and you wouldn't notice David Montgomery's gone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a good matchup. If you get some carries, I'd be mildly interested. This is where we're at now. We have Alfred yeah. Morris and Lamar Miller in week 11. <laughs> what, what year is this? Yeah, right. We are, we are right back to 2014 uh, with, uh, with guys like this. And As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, a few more news stories that I want to hit on. Let's start with Jakey Luton, Jake Luton's debut for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Not bad, all things considered, at least when you look at the stat line, 304 yards, 8 yards per attempt. Touchdown and an interception, DJ Chark connecting on a huge play. Jake Luton's first pass, actually a 73-yard touchdown to DJ Chark. You know, Jake Luton is what he is. Maybe we're talking about him as a streamer. Maybe we're talking about him as a fine QB3 in two quarterback leagues. Maybe we're talking about him giving the job back to Gardner Minshew in a few weeks if Minshew's able to come back. The important thing here is that we saw a huge game from DJ Chark and a solid game out of James Robinson. So any fears we had about those guys, you know, maybe losing some of their fantasy viability without Gardner Minshew, those feel like they're out the window, right, Jake? Yeah, I think that I want to say completely out the window on the fact that, oh, it's definitely Chark and nobody else or, you know, Keelan Cole might not have a game or anything like that. But, 
He was middle of the pack for catchable passes yesterday, 68.4%. That's kind of middle of the pack. That's, you know, comparison-wise, that's where Russell Wilson was for the week. And we know Russell Wilson's better than that. But Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert right behind him, Nick Foles and Ben Roethlisberger right in front of him. Nick Foles, (laughs) throwing that name out, probably doesn't lead any confidence to people. But Mm -hmm. that's about average. At the top end, you know, Aaron Rodgers, 84%. So that kind of gives you an idea of where the range is. And if you look at uh, Luton and what he did, you know, Actually, this you know decent amount to the running back. You know, sixteen percent of them went to the running back, but the majority went to the wide receiver. So I think there's optimism for Chark that he's still the guy, and there seems to be a little bit better of a connection, at least through one game, than there was Minshew's last two games. But I wouldn't say everybody's just. I wouldn't say there's no concern going forward for Chark. It's just one game for Luton. They see a little bit more. I still think that he might have some rapport with either Chanel or uh, Cole, but didn't Chanel get banged up in that game as well anyway? Yeah. 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 Yeah, So I I still think that Cole could potentially still have wide receiver four value going forward. Yeah. And I, I I like that, you know, Chark and that was the second play of the game gets a 74 yard touchdown in, and you know, we could come out of that going, Oh, look, but uh, he got, you know, six more catches and like 60 some more yards the rest of the way. So that was great to see. It wasn't all just one big play dependent kind of outing from him. He had the 12 targets among the leaders and a little bit of an indictment of the Texans defense. I mean, just right. watching the game, Luton seemed comfortable the whole time. They did very little to make him uncomfortable. And you'd think, you know, you get a rookie sixth rounder in there that you do some things to just try to rattle him. But man, they didn't do anything. So, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think I'm interested in Luton this week in, in Green Bay, um, but maybe you can get away with Chark. Is, is Alexander hurt? I know he got hurt in the last game, but I, I didn't follow up on what his in, Jair Alexander, what his injury was. Um, no, he left, yeah, and I don't know if they've even yeah. said yet. I mean, I yeah, guess if no update on I that might, I might hesitate if Alexander's back and he's fine. And he's going to shadow Chark, but otherwise, maybe I'm, you know, I might just be as a Chark rosterer, you know, willing uh, to throw him out there. He might be fine. There. It's just, it's, it was concussion protocol. That's what it oh, was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. We had another surprising performance from a quarterback, you guys, this week. Alex Smith coming in for the injured Kyle Allen ends up throwing for 325 yards. That was better than 10 yards per attempt. Three interceptions. One wasn't his fault. The other two very much <laughs> were his fault. Also threw a touchdown that, I mean, how much credit are we giving to, to Terry McLaurin for the touchdown? Like 90% mm-hmm. of the credit, right, for that, for that touchdown. But still, you love the 10 yards per attempt, and it does seem like he is going to be uh, the starter for Washington going forward potentially for the remainder of the season next three games at Detroit versus Cincinnati at Dallas that is a nice little schedule for the Washington football team coming up so very simple question here Brandon is Alex Smith a thing ah man he's a he's a thing I mean that that schedule is great no doubt about it and uh you got Terry McLaurin. You got you got some guys that can catch the ball in the backfield. And man, JD McKissick might be a thing with Alex Smith in in this in this little stretch. Because what did he have like nine catches, something ridiculous? Yep. Um, so I'm interested. You know, I think it, Terry McLaurin. We've never worried about who the quarterback was. He just puts up he puts up numbers no matter who it is. So that's a good thing. You feel good about him, Alex Smith. How high am I going to go on him? Even with these this next three matchup, I still think he's probably someone I'm gonna have a hard time ever putting you know, strongly inside my top 20. I, I'm guessing most of the time, even in the best of to- of, of matchups, he's like a, someone who ends up on the periphery of my top 20. I just, um, I just am not going to fully, fully buy in uh, to this. And you mentioned those, those two interceptions that were his fault. They were pretty terrible throws. Um, <laughs> yes, so I, I feel more like Alex Smith is like not a 10 
0.16 YPA guy. I think most of the time he's going to be like a 6-7 guy, and this is going to be a low-ceiling offense with him, but I, I could be wrong. He also didn't scramble, so and that's understandable given where Alex Smith is coming from yes. injury-wise, so it's all going to have to be on his arm. And, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with Brandon and even an extra 1% of he can kiss my ass for letting the Giants win. <laughs> Freaking Giants. <laughs> Two we do, have to, we do have to tip our cap to Alex Smith having a 300-yard passing day. Uh, you know, we, we were we were all like he won the NFL Comeback Player of the Year just by getting on the field uh, a few weeks back. But he actually went out there and had, you know, 300-some yeah. passing yards. Uh, yeah, respect, respect to Alex Smith, regardless of the Giants the Giants game you're yeah, alluding and to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now the Giants just blew any chance at Lawrence or uh, even Fields, Fields being on this team. Team, so enjoy yeah. that. Well, they've got Wayne Gallman. Do you want to talk about him? No. Do you want to talk about Wayne Gallman? <laughs> or should we just go? Should we go on? Because we're, we're sort of strapped for time here. Just keep going. I mean, Alfred Morris had better performance than he did. <laughs> Alfred Morris is still in the friggin' mix. What do we? Let's go. Let, let carry let 68 Jake, yards and a touchdown yeah. for Wayne Gallman. Yeah. Why don't we move on to the next one and we can let Jake talk about that because I don't want to talk about DeAndre Swift. Just like I don't want to talk All about right. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I feel like both of them are constantly just you wait kind of guys so <laughs> well Jake I'm gonna make you talk about DeAndre Swift was this another step forward for him 13 carries 64 yards I will say his long carry was a 17 yarder it was the last play of the first half when the Vikings were just sort of sitting back so that was a, sort of a gift of 17 yards five targets caught three of them 33 yards one brutal drop where he would have had I mean, at least 15 or 20 yards on this play if he doesn't drop this. Just a, a perfect pass from Matthew Stafford in stride. He had a step in his defender. Uh, so that was an ugly one. But led the Lions backfield in everything. Carries, yards, uh, targets, every single thing. He led mm -hmm. the Lions backfield. More carries than Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson combined. Still mm -hmm. not quite what we want to see from him, but it seems like every week here he's getting a little bit more, putting a little bit more distance between him and everyone else. I mean, can we feel decent about DeAndre Swift right now? So, yeah, I'm actually going to make you talk about him, Brandon, because here's going to be my question. For all your campaigning for Justin Jackson, how is he different than DeAndre Swift? Because 13, 25, 13, 4 and 11. It's one bad game out of five. It's the same. It's to me, a hundred percent, the exact same thing as Justin Jackson. You have two other running backs involved. You have a frustrating backfield, but the one guy double digit points in every single game, except for one. And that was the argument you made for Justin Jackson. So tell me, Brandon, how are they different? Well, because you had to basically draft DeAndre Swift in like the third or fourth round. We don't round. care about drafts in week nine. No, but we do care about like the fact that if I wanted to go out and get one of them, I can get Justin Jackson for a hell of a lot cheaper than I can get DeAndre Swift. People but, have held no, no, this guy no, no, up on no. a okay. pedestal on, all year long. Same field. Let's bring the goalpost back over. Week nine, how are they different? Uh, one of them got hurt right away and didn't get a chance oh to show God. out. And if he had, he would have blown the doors off DeAndre Swift's numbers because he basically would have had Kalen Balazs' numbers plus the extra 30% that they said you automatically tack on because Kalen yeah, Balazs... Yeah, ifs and buts and cookies and nuts to build your goalpost, whatever. <laughs> well, you're comparing a guy who got hurt like right no, away and didn't play. I'm comparing play. the situations. I'm saying you're, before last week, forget the getting hurt. Before last week, your point for Justin Jackson was he's the lead guy. He had one bad game out of the four and my point for deandre swift is he's the lead guy he's got one bad game out of five it does like this point of the season they're the same guy uh, well I, I will i will tell you that there is uh 
carry on and AP, and I, I feel like there's more guys combined when everything is normal. It's either Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, and we've or seen Tremaine the Pope. Tra- no, I don't. I really don't think he. That was just like an injury thing. I don't think he's going to no, be continually part of. Yeah, I know. Um, but I like the Chargers' backfield better. I just like the offense better for running backs. That's where I'm at. I like it. I love this. I, see, I, that's why we bring guys up like this, because it creates some sort of discussion. I don't know. DeAndre Swift did feel it did have the feeling of him taking another step forward in the Lions offense and maybe uh, carving out a little bit larger of a role for himself going forward. One more offense that we got to hit on here, guys. I already teased it, so we got to get to it. Denver Broncos. Big game for Drew Locke statistically. I will say someone who watched a good chunk of that game wasn't quite as good for real as it was statistically, but statistically is what we care about in the fantasy football world. 313 yards, 6.5 yards per attempt, two touchdowns. Also ran for 47 yards and a score on the ground. Jerry Judy, his game was as good for real as it was statistically. Seven grabs, 14 targets, 125 yards and a touchdown. Brandon, you mentioned the K.J. Hamler line earlier, 6 on 10 for 75. Tim Patrick got a touchdown and nine targets. Next three games for this team, Vegas, Miami, New Orleans. Feels like this Broncos offense that we were excited about before the season may be starting to come into focus here, Jake. Yeah, and I think that what we talked about, it was was the Wednesday show or was the Sunday show? Whatever it was where I said that going forward, Judy would be the one for me. I think that the time off for Patrick opened the door for Judy to get more comfortable with the NFL. He needed some time as a rookie, got more comfortable with Locke, and now he's the guy. And I'm not just basing that off the one game yesterday. Is I just think he's the guy. I don't think Patrick is done for, but I think Patrick has to be concerned with Hamler. Uh, Fant getting banged up again, but Fant was healthy. I think that those three are kind of all going to be used any given week, but who it might be. I think, as I said, going into this week, and I will now, I think one game kind of definitely feels that way, at least from everybody, quote-unquote, being healthy. I know, again, Fant exited early, but Judy's the guy. I would not drop Patrick. I would not drop Hamler. I'll have them as a wide receiver four or five most weeks, but I don't know that any given week's going to be a guaranteed. It's this one or the other. I think the only guarantee now is Judy. Yeah, I mean, watch watch the games. He's the most talented receiver. I mean, just watch him. It's it's evident. And you know, one thing I'll say is like we've we've been waiting for the breakout game. He's kind of shown a pretty solid floor. I mean, most weeks yep. he's been 50, 60 yards, 70 yards, and we finally saw the breakout 125 yard touchdown game. But he is the most talented guy. He's been consistently getting the targets. I don't think Drew Locke's great, but I think he's He's serviceable. He's solid. When when a defense will give him something, he's good enough to take it. But, uh, you know, in rough matchups, I'll be concerned about Denver in general because I don't think Drew Locke is transcendent over uh, really good competition. So that's something you just have to keep in mind, you know, thinking about. But the nice thing about Judy is you can, like I said, you can play him most weeks and probably get, you know, feel like you're going to get 50 yards at least. All right, guys, two more things to hit on here before we wrap things up. It is the stream quarterbacks and defenses. Week 10, teams on by Chiefs, Falcons, Cowboys, and Jets. So Patrick Mahomes, maybe he's the only quarterback you have on your team. Maybe you've been struggling ever since Dak Prescott's injury. Uh, Matt Ryan going on by. We've got some quarterbacks to replace this week, and we've got some good guys to go after. Brandon will give you first crack at this one. Who's your favorite quarterback to stream in Week 10? Uh, I won't say Derek Carr. I'll actually say Tua. Uh, Two is the guy. I like him right off the top. He looked good. You know, I like the matchup against the Chargers. Uh, showed that he's got the ability still to get out and run a little bit. So always like to throw that cherry on top of your fantasy numbers at the quarterback position. But 
But Tua is interesting to me, and I'd actually even throw out Baker Mayfield as being somewhat interesting going against that defense I just mentioned that Jake Luton looked very competent against. So Baker seems to have done, you know, he's done well at home this year, and uh, and I just I like the matchup for him. Normally, I, I'm not a make Baker Mayfield fan, but I could be talked into it this week. Yeah, I wouldn't go quite to him. I would just go with Tua Carr. And I think those are your top two options. And then for defense-wise, it's only two options. It's super easy. It's super, super, super easy. You get the Saints versus whatever's left for the 49ers and the Eagles versus Daniel Jones. Done. Those are the two that you go after. (laughs) (laughs) Vikings at Chicago? No. What do you got on this one, Brandon? Uh, Well, that's still fair. He took took two really good ones. I said it. We only need two. You You can double down on one of those. That's cool. Wait, you said the Saints, and who was your other one, though? The Eagles against the Daniel Eagles. Jones. Yeah, like I will, I will, I will be willing to roll out the Packers uh, against Jake Luton going into Lambeau Field with the Smith, and if Jair Alexander's healthy, I feel really good about getting points off of the Jaguars' offense this week. I think the Vikings at the Bears might not be a bad one either, <laughs> but I agree that those other ones are definitely looking better. Saints, San Francisco, and Eagles at the Giants. I mean, even with the Giants win, right? Daniel Jones just like, ugh, what a disgusting stat line this guy put up in that game, in that win over the Washington football team. And sacked five times too. I mean, you can definitely get after him. It was part of the reason we were excited about Washington <laughs> in that game. And um, guys, I think that's going to do it. I mean, I, Jake, I hear you chuckling. You want to add something? No. Wrap things up here? <laughs> I just, again, you're talking about Daniel Jones and just thinking about what could have been in the draft. So let's continue. Uh, let's move on. What could have been, but unfortunately, no Lawrence, no Fields, probably. Maybe things will get better for you, Jake. We're going to wrap it up on that positive note again. Get yourself a subscription to The Athletic if you're not already a subscriber. $1 a week, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. This show will be back with you tomorrow. That will be Nando DeFino back from his vacation. Uh, and Chris Vaccaro, the three of us, will be back with you on Wednesday to talk Week 10 rankings. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Enjoy as much as you can this Monday night game between the Patriots and the Jets. We'll talk to you soon. Music.